Hi, I'm Leola. I'm a sacred intimacy mentor and muse and the host of this podcast. Talk Tantra to Me introduces a playful perspective on sacred sexuality. My intention in this podcast is to integrate intimacy and spirituality, empowering you to reclaim your eroticism. It is my mission to inspire you to let go of shame, fear, and limiting beliefs to be present as your highest self in every moment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, let's talk Tantra. Hello and welcome to Talk Tantra to Me. It is such an honor to be holding space for this divine knowledge to make its way into your ears and lifestyle. Today I am hosting a live Q&A. I asked you guys to send me in questions in my DMs uh, about high vibe relating, spirituality, Tantra, and sacred sexuality, and I am answering those questions right now on this live. So if you are joining now, feel free to pop a question in the chat box if you'd like to maximize this opportunity to ask me anything about these topics related to Tantra and sacred sexuality. And if you are joining later for this recording, whether on my podcast or uh, here on Instagram, welcome, welcome. So I'm going to start by answering some questions that already came through that you guys sent in. And the first question is, what is your morning routine and what do you recommend for the morning? So for me, my morning routine changes every day. I used to feel like I needed to do the same thing every day, which to me is a very masculine approach. To It felt like I had to do like get up 6 a.m., meditate, journal, make my tea, do the whole thing. And I realized that actually that wasn't in my highest good every day. That wasn't what was leading to my expansion on a daily basis. And what felt more liberating for me and expansive, because again, Tantra directly translate from Sanskrit as to liberate and to expand, what felt most liberating and expansive for me was to actually drop the expectation that I should follow the same morning routine every day. So instead, what I do is I have time set aside every morning. I generally speaking, don't start work until minimum 11 a.m., but typically noon. I definitely don't have any calls before noon. To me, to have the spaciousness in the morning, to drop in and to feel like, what do I need in this moment to make today amazing? And maybe that's doing some sensual dance in bed, or maybe that is journaling and meditating, or maybe it's just like getting my house like cleaned up and having a cup of cacao and just sitting in stillness. Whatever feels good for me, I kind of take the moment to um, to drop in. So I'm using the masculine container of creating the space paired with the feminine intuitive led desire to facilitate how my morning routine of the day will go. Again, if people are just joining, you can drop a question in the chat box. Uh, I'm just doing a live Q&A here. Continuing with the questions that were previously submitted, How do you keep a high vibe? You always look so happy. Guess what? You are only seeing one side of my life. And um, I do experience 
you know, uh, vibrations that are lower or more dense feelings of sadness and anger and fear and all of that stuff. And I experience it pretty much on a daily basis. Uh, but for me, what's been really valuable in living a tantric lifestyle is having the tools to set myself up for success and also having the tools to self-regulate when inevitable triggers or challenging experiences or thoughts come up. So on one end, I do have my morning routine and I schedule self-care and I make sure I'm emotionally current and I do all these things so that I'm operating going into the day already from a high vibration. And then when something happens that does, you know, put me off kilter or create, you know, a more low vibe, quote unquote, uh, I use the tools that I've learned. And one of those is emotional release. So giving myself permission to feel all of the feelings, to move through it and to express myself, you know, having really great allies in the space, whether it be a friend or a mentor or a coach or a guide has also been really helpful for me as well. Uh, and also just scheduling self-care into my schedule and making sure that I'm nourishing myself as well. But again, you're only seeing one side of the reality that is my life. And it's mostly the highlight reel because that's how Instagram is. I do uh, intend and desire to be more and more um, in integrity with you guys and to show you the full range of my expression. And generally speaking, on my podcast, I share a lot more of like the nitty gritty of my life. Okay, the next question I am kind of inexperienced with sex as a survivor, and I'm guessing it's a survivor of some sort of uh, non-consensual behavior or sexual assault, but I'm kind of experienced as sex with, with sex as a survivor, and I wanted to know, is it normal to not have tantric experiences with everyone? I recently came across someone who can, who I can do it naturally with. Is this rare? And the first thing that I would consider is, how do you define a tantric experience? For me, it is an experience in which I'm feeling deep presence and intention. So in that way, it's not even inherently sexual, but because the question is specifically about sexuality, um, I recognize that I can bring presence and intention into any sexual experience with myself or with a partner, regardless of who they are. Um, so to me, the tantric experience isn't caught up in who the partner is. It has a lot more to do with what I'm bringing into the space as an autonomous individual. But having a partner who also is able to meet you at the same level of depth and intention and presence, it does it for me. And it probably is doing it for you. And maybe that's the case. Maybe that's what it is that both people are kind of on the same page and really operating at the same caliber, uh, you know, in regards to bringing that presence and that intention into the sexual experience. I think there's also something to be said for quote unquote soul contracts and the special magic that can be available, you know, in certain couplings, there could be like a past life karmic thing that's happening that is drawing you together and creating this opportunity for some uh, sacred energetic exchange. If you're just joining, I'm doing a live Q&A. You're welcome to drop a question in the chat box and I will do my best to answer it. At this moment, I am currently uh, responding to the questions that were already submitted. So the next question is, how do you move angry energy out? 
<laughs> how do you move angry energy out? So the first thing that I do is I let myself feel it all. I think that there are a lot of like spiritual teachings and lineages that kind of just say like, don't focus on the anger or like if the anger isn't worth your time. And I think that's true. But if we don't allow that energy to move through our bodies, you know, emotion, this is an anger is an emotion and emotion is energy in motion. And if we don't allow that energy to move, to express itself, it's going to get stuck in our energetic bodies and that creates blockages. And when you have a block in your energetic body, you are setting yourself up for that energetic body to create dis-ease and disease in the energetic body can create physical disease. So to me, it's really important to give myself the space to fully feel the anger, not to, ju- not to judge it, just to let it be and to recognize that I'm human and anger is a normal emotion. So one of the ways that I let that energy move is by pounding some pillows, you know, screaming into my hands, um, stomping about having some level of release and letting that go. Uh, you know, talking about it to someone that I care about is also really helpful. Um, but also recognizing that we are animals and, you know, the antelope doesn't go talk to his therapist after he escapes the lion, shakes off his body, he lets it go. So to me, allowing your body to move that energy is really important. Once I get to the other side of the feeling and recognizing that there are stages with this, I then consider, is there a solution to my anger? Is there something that I can do about this? How long does the thing that made me angry live rent-free in my head? When can I let it go? And again, a lot of this is easier said than done, uh, but that's my process. Okay, next question. Advice for sex in long-term relationships after a baby. My wife is not feeling sexy or sexual. So I have a resource for you. It is episode 36 of Talk Tantra to Me, the podcast. It is called Why Sex Dies in Long-Term Relationships and How to Keep Libido Alive with Irene Fair. Again, that's episode 36. So we go into depth about how, you know, different changes in the dynamics of a relationship can shift desire and shift you know, how we relate and what we can do about it to keep things juicy, to keep things moving and to, um, continue with that intimacy. And I think that, you know, to give you a little cliff notes before listening to that whole episode, one thing that I definitely recommend is prioritizing intimacy over sex. Generally speaking, when we have intimacy, that naturally leads to a space where sex can happen, but intimacy is the lower hanging fruit that we can get to first. So creating time to connect and also recognizing that women, generally speaking, need more emotional connection. And to me, intimacy has a little bit of that more emotional um, piece to it. So taking time to really chat and to catch up and to be soft and sensual and uh, affectionate with one another would be the first thing. The second thing that I would say is put this intimacy time in the calendar Um, and then allow it to graduate into, you know, time that might end up becoming more sexual, but considering, you know, put it, just putting in time to connect with one another. And that might mean going on a date. It might mean taking a bath. It might mean just cuddling in bed for an hour. It doesn't have to be wild and crazy, but my suggestion is at least once a week, set aside three hours, 
you can't do three hours, then one hour just to connect intimately. And then the third thing I would recommend is also creating something or invoking in pieces that will make her feel sexy or will encourage her to feel sexy. Obviously, as the partner, you cannot make her feel a certain way, but you could invite in the opportunity for her to feel sexy. So considering what might have made her feel sexy in the past, maybe it's getting her hair cut. Maybe it is trying on some new clothes that, you know, fit her changing body. Um, maybe it is giving her a massage or telling her how beautiful she is. Maybe it is going and getting her nails done. Maybe it's taking a hot bath, maybe encouraging her to do some of these things and putting those things in the schedule as well. If you're just joining, I'm doing a live Q&A. So if you have any questions about Tantra, sacred sexuality, spirituality, high vibe relating, feel free to pop them in the chat box and I will, uh, I will get to those. So the next question that I have here is, which of the various tantric traditions do you draw most from, i.e. Hindu, Buddhist, Taoist, Egyptian, and what are some of your favorite concepts from those traditions? One second, I'm just going to take a sip of water. Okay, so which of these lineages do I draw the most from? I would say I draw the most from shamanic sexuality, which was not one that was uh, mentioned here. To me, shamanic sexuality really resonates because it's really related to the earth and our relationship here to the earth and recognizing that there is this physical world in the spiritual world. And there's an energy that is in between them. That is this, you know, um, sexual energy. It's this procreative energy. It's this life force. And to me, that feels really in alignment and just hits home for me. Um, in terms of practices with shamanic sexuality, a lot of them are just a little bit too esoteric to kind of describe in this space. But, you know, doing sexual shadow work, uh, really honoring this relationship between the spirit world and the physical world, doing different um, rituals also really feel juicy for me as well. And if you're interested in learning and seeing more about those practices, I highly recommend you consider working with me in person, whether that's doing, you know, a one-on-one -on -one session or attending, uh, a retreat. We have a retreat coming up in May and also in October. Uh, you can find all that information at my website, www.talktantratome.com. Um, and I also do events here in Austin, but to me, that's the best way to really feel into the different, um, practices that, that work for me in those spaces. Okay. Next question. You mentioned that an important value in your relationship is that external connections have to have to support your primary relationship and feel expansive. One partner comes back with, with lessons learned. What type of external connections don't feel expansive for you, whether at a play party or in dating? Cheers. So this question uh, is related to a recent post that I did in which I shared that my partner and I are currently exploring a relating style known as monogamish. So monogamish has the same foundation of monogamy of deep commitment to one person, but it allows a little bit more spaciousness to connect with individuals outside of that primary relationship. Um, but we're not looking to create a relationship with anyone else that is like 
really committed or deeply romantic. Uh, and I mentioned that one of the commitments that we had as a partnership to relate in this way is that any external connection, any connection outside of our primary relationship needs to be net positive to our connection, meaning it creates some space for expansion for one or for both of us. Um, so this is a great question. And, you know, again, the, the essence of the question is what type of external connections don't feel expansive for you? And to me, it's very subjective. Um, and it's not clear because something that could feel net positive one day might not feel the same way, you know, the next day. And it really depends on how, depends on how safe and secure we're feeling in the partnership. Um, and what our priorities are in, in any one given moment. Uh, and it's also important that you're able to take responsibility. So, you know, I feel like a lot of people choose not to explore non-monogamy of any kind or feel that something that's not expansive could be a moment where they feel really triggered. So I see my partner connect with this other woman and it really triggers me. And I'm like, ugh, this is like gross and I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. So it must not be expansive because of that. That's not necessarily true. Um, in fact, the fact that I'm triggered gives me an opportunity to look at the why. Why is this bothering me so much? And is there something within myself that I get to look at? For example, maybe I don't like that he's connecting with that woman because I perceive that she's more beautiful than me. And that's an opportunity for me to look at where am I not loving myself? Where am I judging myself? And that is actually an expansive opportunity, but it takes having the perspective to shift it. So generally speaking, nearly all connections could be expansive depending on my perspective. Um, I will say, you know, from personal experience, there was a woman that my partner had the opportunity to engage with, and I felt like she was trying to get between us, and he actually agreed. He agreed that she was kind of feeling out how firm our relationship was and was trying to get within it. And in that moment, we both decided that just didn't feel like the right energy. So we decided not to proceed with that or to create a boundary around how deep uh, he would connect with this individual. So I hope that that's a good example and makes total sense. Uh, again, if you're just joining, you're welcome to pop a question in the chat box. Just doing a little live Q&A here. Hello, lover. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And thank you for your patience with this brief interruption as I ask for a quick favor. If this podcast resonates with you, I would love to hear it in the reviews. It means the world to me to hear your perspective and your reviews also help this podcast become more relevant in search results, which means that more people are able to find it and more people are able to benefit from the wisdom of spiritual intimacy. Thank you again. Take these couple of minutes to hit pause, write a quick review, and then let's get back to the episode. The next question, even though we need to love ourselves as we are with positive vibes, affirmations, etc., can you actually change the way your body looks into a desired state? Example, women have said they massaged their boobs, loved them, and they grew. Hasn't worked for me yet. Fingers crossed. Ha ha. <laughs> so uh, I personally don't have any experience with actually 
changing my body with my conscious awareness. Um, but there are books and there's evidence of it happening. There's lots of people, again, speaking from personal experience and, but I I don't think I've personally witnessed like my body actually shifting with just my thoughts. I've done different things like take supplements or nurtured my body in a different way that allowed it to heal, um, or to, um, to shift. Um, I will say that I have done meditations and focused my meditation on healing a certain ailment, like back pain. This actually happened yesterday. I had some back pain. I meditated and it went away. My intention of the meditation was healing. But in terms of like actually changing how my body looks, I haven't really experienced that. Um, but I have definitely experienced changing how I view my body or how I perceive my body by rewriting my relationship to standards of beauty. So recognizing that, for example, um, I feel a lot thinner and, um, uh, more, uh, toned in my body now than I felt when I was five pounds lighter because of how I feel about society standards around weight. When I was five pounds lighter, I was in the modeling industry and I was constantly jumping on the scale and had a lot of judgment around my body shape and my weight. Whereas now I'm really just more focused on feeling healthy. And with that, I actually think that I look better in my body now, even though I am a bit heavier. Um, to me, having that sort of perspective is the most powerful because our bodies will change over time. And what's most important to me is just learning how to take care of myself, how to, how to be healthy in my body and how to maximize my youth while also making peace with the fact that our bodies do change over time. And that's totally normal. And just because they change doesn't mean that they're any less beautiful. I personally feel that gray hair and wrinkles are so beautiful and I love a silver fox as well. So I'm really excited uh, to welcome in the uh, the beauty of aging as, as it happens naturally. Okay, next question. What if a person says his or her, her sexual shadow is disordered? Does that mean his or her sexual energy is impure and how to work with this? So Two things right off the bat. First, sexual energy to me is not impure, just like any other energy, like money or time or any resource. It's not impure or pure. It just depends on how you're using it. Um, for example, you could, money is a neutral energy, but you can spend your money on groceries from the farmer's market, or you could spend your money on McDonald's, right? It's not good or bad how the, the energy itself is just where are you and where are you intending to put that? And it's the same with your sexual energy. Um, this question really has to do with the sexual shadow. So just to kind of just, uh, define the sexual shadow. So, uh, shadow, shadow, the shadow and shadow work in general was first coined by Carl Jung. And he describes it as qualities we see in ourselves as undesirable. Um, and therefore we are not fully acknowledging them, uh, or consciously working to integrate them. And then they kind of create beliefs and patterns that we project into our lives and also often have like a negative effect on how we're living and how we're relating. Um, so to me, distortion, when you say sexual distortion, to me, that's a projection. That's like the event in which the sexual shadow is projecting into your reality and creating a 
more dense experience or an experience that you have the opportunity to grow through or learn from. Um, so how do you work through the sexual shadow? Uh, there's a whole episode about sexual shadow work on the podcast. Let me pull up the episode number for you quickly. Um, while I'm pulling it up. Okay. It's episode 25. Episode 25 of the podcast goes a little bit deeper into uh, sexual shadow work. And I also have a free sexual shadow work workbook. If you go to my website, www.talktantratome backslash free, uh, you can find that free workbook. And that's a great place to start as well. Again, if you're just jumping on and joining, you are welcome to put a question in the chat box. I'm answering uh, any questions related to Tantra, sacred sexuality, spirituality, um, all those things. Beautiful. So the next question, there is so much information out there on Tantra. Where does a beginner start and how do you not get overwhelmed? This is such a great question because as I mentioned earlier in this live, Tantra literally translates from Sanskrit to mean to expand and to liberate. And that's a really broad definition. So to me, there's so many different ways that you can do that, right? And it looks a little bit different to everyone. And so there are so many voices out there sharing their perspective in terms of how they live and liberating an expansive life. So it can feel like a little bit overwhelming to know where do you begin with this? So for me, I recommend really investing a little bit of time into different low-hanging fruit offers and experiences that are easily accessible. So things like listening to podcasts and reading books. From there, you'll start to get a sense of what paths or what tools or what teachers are in alignment for you. And you can follow your, your follow, follow that path or follow that thread. That being said, it's also important to recognize that it's very easy to find one teacher or one lineage and then give all of your power away. Today and now is the time in which we get to be our own teacher. We get to be our own healer and our own guide. So as you begin to consume content in the Tantra spaces or in any space, my suggestion is to just listen and to feel in, does this resonate with me or not? And take everything with a grain of salt and question everything. You can take little pieces of different lineages and create your own perspective of Tantra. And that's really what I've done. I personally have not found one lineage or one teacher where everything is a fuck yes to me. I've created my own using different pieces from different paths. And the same goes for my content. I hope that you question my content um, and only, only take in and embody what is a full fuck yes for you. That being said, it's also very easy to be triggered. And my encouragement as well is if you're triggered by my content or anyone else's to consider where is that coming from? Uh, to me, a trigger is an opportunity to learn more about yourself. Uh, and when you're challenged by someone else's perspective, uh, it likely means that there's something there that you get to go deeper into. Um, if you're able to say good for her and not for me, then great. But if there's like some emotional 
heaviness connected to it or judgment or fear, then maybe it's an opportunity to consider why is that? I'll give you an example. So I used to be really triggered by, um, teachers that, uh, were like, no, um, okay, here's an example. When I was in Ecuador doing a month long Tantra yoga training, one of the teachers, um, was like no nudity anywhere. Uh, we just don't think that nudity should be a part of Tantra or part of this practice. And to me, I'm like that, that like actually triggers me because I'm nude all the time. Um, and so to me, it felt like a personal judgment. And I got to look at, actually, I'm projecting all of the judgment that anyone's ever made for me about being a nude model or just being so comfortable in my body. I'm projecting that that like that fear of abandonment onto this teacher when they're just sharing, this is a part of my practice, right? Okay. Um, next question. How to high vibe relate when one partner is more spiritual than the other? So there is an episode coming out on the podcast this weekend. So by the time this live Q&A is on the podcast, that episode will already be out. But it is episode 104 called Men's Work and Feminine Testing. And in that episode, we go deep in talking about from, um, so the guest on that episode is Wayne Barkus. And Wayne shares that his partner was actually progressing on the spiritual path much faster and much more with much more depth than he was and how it was challenging for him and what his partner did to invite him into those spaces um, and how he opened himself up to that. So I definitely recommend, you know, checking out that episode. Uh, for me, I think that just planting little seeds, you know, pre-reading books or pre-listening to podcasts that you think you know, your partner might like identify with or have some, you know, um, some sort of relationship to, and then sharing them from a loving place, uh, and not a place of like, you have to listen to this or X, Y, or Z, but from a place of, I think you'd really like this. Do you want to listen to this together while we go for a walk and just creating space for it to be fun and playful and connective rather than judgmental? Uh, so that would be, you know, kind of where I would start. The second thing that I recommend is just staying in your vibe, continuing on your path. The relationship will naturally evolve as you evolve because it's going to call that partner up, up to your level very organically. Um, so as we, you know, progress on the spiritual path, it can be easy to be you know, drug back down into those lower densities, but just maintaining that high vibration and inviting, inviting your partner up there with you. And then the third thing is if you feel like they're completely closed off and completely unwilling to evolve at all or to share this with you, and it's really an important value for you, and you feel like your growth is stifled by their lack of, you know, just stepping up, then my suggestion is to have a very serious conversation with them about your desires. Consider involving a professional such as myself or a relationship therapist or sexologist or a coach or something along those lines um, and see if they're willing and open to step into that space and just sharing how important it is for you in this relationship. And based on their reaction to that, you get to consider how you want to evolve in that relationship or if an exit makes more sense for you. Uh, 
Next question, how to high vibe relate when one partner is more spiritual than the other? I actually just read that one. Sorry. <laughs> I'm actually at the end of my list of uh, questions that were pre-submitted. So um, now I'm going to go back up and look at some of the questions that you guys put in. Also, if again, if you're listening or just joining and you have any questions, you're welcome to pop them in the chat box and um, and I'll answer them. So one of the questions that you guys submitted just now, should I avoid getting intimate with partners who I am not emotionally connected to? There's no right or wrong answer here. It totally comes down to your intention. Uh, if you are desiring an emotionally connective relationship and that's important to you, then I would say don't get involved in those relationships. If you are desiring to experience pleasure and that's your pure intention, great. Then make sure that you communicate with that person that your intention is not to emotionally connect so that they don't have any expectation of otherwise. And they're able to make a decision to connect with you based on um, their intention and what is most expansive for them. To me, I find that the deeper that I meet my partners emotionally, the deeper pleasure and expansion that becomes available for me. Um, generally speaking, uh, that's not always the case, but that's my experience. It might be true for you and it might, it might not. Um, I have no judgment for anyone that engages sexually with people, uh, that they are emotionally connected with or not. I've definitely done both. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Next question. Is it true that energy is exchanged and someone's bad energy can come on us? Hmm. There's lots of different thoughts on this. And I have a great podcast on this as well. Let me pull it up. Uh, it is episode 66 with uh, Temple of the Feminine, Amy, called ba Busting Sacred Sex and Intimacy Myths. So I definitely feel that everything is energy. And if someone is going through something that's creating a more dense energy, you can pick up on that and feel that. And you don't have to hold on to it. You can let it go. And you can have boundaries and create protection around yourself. I feel that we are super powerful, sovereign creatures. And if you don't want to pick up quote unquote, bad energy from someone, you don't need to, and you don't have to, and you can clear that yourself. So that's what I have to say about that. Uh, beautiful scrolling through. Again, if you have a question, feel free to drop it in the chat box. Seeing lots of lovely hello salutations. Here we go. As a priestess of sacred sexuality and freedom work, does your shamanic practice cross into sexual alchemy? So it really depends on how you define alchemy. To me, alchemy is transmuting. It is uh, moving some sort of energy or thing from one space into another space. And if that's the case, then yes, absolutely. To me, sexual alchemy uh, often comes in the form of emotional release. So if I find myself, it actually comes in many different forms, but to me, sexual alchemy is starting the sexual experience in one state and ending it in another state that creates transformation and expansion. And generally, that's how almost all of my sexual experiences go. Um, but more visceral experiences would be ones where 
there's some sort of healing available. And that's really a part of my work is uh, helping people recognize where they haven't been fully owning their themselves, their emotions, their sexuality. Um, there's lots of tears and laughter and like expression and that sort of, you know, alchemization as well. Another way that I'll use sexual alchemy is, you know, in my body and like healing my body. So if I find myself like sick or with a headache or something, I'll often self-pleasure or enroll my partner in some sexual play because I believe that that energy is super healing and can alchemize whatever offness is happening in my body because it is moving that energy. Beautiful question. All right, let's scroll through, see if there's any other questions here. How do I manifest my next partner? It is, is it through solo Tantra? Okay, so first of all, I'm going to give you another resource, and that is episode episode 48, How to Manifest Your Ideal Lover or Partner, uh, is a great one to get you started there. And also, going deeper into how to manifest your uh, ideal partner, you had asked, do I need to do it through solo tantra? Um, no, I don't think that you need to do it through solo Tantra. I think actually by connecting with others, that can give you a really great idea of what you do and don't want in your next partnership. And it can also feel really good to create spaciousness from others to just touch in with yourself and get really clear that way. So there is no right or wrong. When I went to manifest my current partner, who is my life partner, I spent about six months having a lot of different connections and learning through those connections. And then I intentionally kind of pulled back from that and took a month of conscious celibacy. And um, within a few days, I actually ended up connecting with my partner. Uh, that to me is not the only way to do it. That's just what happened for me. Uh, and I think when it comes to manifesting your ideal partner, as I've mentioned, what's most important is really just getting clear on what you desire and what your intention is for that partnership. So I have manifested a lot of partners and I've manifested partners that helped me heal and helped me grow. And I've manifested partners that were just for fun and were just lovers. And at this point now, I've also manifested a life partner. So I think step one is to get very clear on what you want and then to, you know, use your magic to call that in, to get in the vibration of having a partner. For me, that meant taking off an entire day and spending that day as if I was preparing to meet my lover in the evening. So that meant going and getting my nails done, going to the priestess store, the crystal store, and getting a bunch of things that to me represented this person. Um having a nice bath, shaving my legs, getting beautiful, and then making an immaculate dinner and setting the table for two people, uh, making an offering to the land of wine, journaling what I wanted, um, consciously letting go of past relationships. There's lots of different things, but I definitely recommend checking out that episode that I mentioned. And I intend on creating a new episode that is specifically geared towards manifesting your life partner, because the last episode was a little bit more geared to just partners in general. Okay. Beautiful. Let's see if there's any other questions here. 
Do you have any suggestions for honoring and celebrating the winter solstice today? My suggestion would be to create space to go inward and to create space for slowing down, uh, setting the intention of what can I let go of in this season to go deeper into myself. Um, so for me, I actually decided at the beginning of the week that I was not going to make any new appointments, whether it be with friends or clients or calls at all. Um, other things to do would be maybe making something really delicious and nurturing and warm for your body, maybe taking a hot bath. Um, yeah, that's what I would recommend. Great question. Um, I am spending this winter solstice at a sweat lodge, which to me, um, having a sacred sweat is really symbolic of that letting go energy. And then I'll be spending it with some dear sisters, which to me is deeply nourishing. So yeah, I believe those are all the questions that you guys have asked. So, so thank you so much for, um, for sending those in and for joining me today. If you ever have, you know, any questions on, you know, these topics, you're welcome to just shoot me a quick DM and I will do my best to answer it. And I will also likely add it to the next Q&A where I'll answer more in depth. Uh, also just planting the seed as well. If you'd like, you know, more long-term committed support and a personal cheerleader in stepping into this lifestyle, uh, I do offer one-to-one sessions in person and virtually. You can visit my website, www.talktantratome.com for all of those offerings. I also have, you know, events coming up here in Austin, play parties, um, tantra workshops, and retreats, all really great opportunities for you to learn more about this space and uh, get more direct access to me. With that being said, thank you so much for opening yourself up to the idea of sacred sexuality. It means the world to me that you're here um, and have a beautiful day and we'll catch you next week on the podcast. Ta-ta!